today, and uh, we are looking forward to what you got. Would you just come and minister to the house this morning? Amen. Well, it is great to be here this morning. Um, as uh, Pastor Kevin said, four years ago, uh, we were in the States. Um, I'm getting a lot of feedback on the mic. Is that good? Looks pretty good. That felt, feels good. <laughs> Is that good? Um, it was four years ago that we was here. And um, how many of you were here four years ago? <laughs> okay. Um, but we're blessed to be uh, be back in the states. Uh, we're we're actually going back to the Philippines on September thirteenth, and so this is just about our last stop before we uh, go back to the Philippines. Um, the last time my son was here, my son is uh, seventeen years old. He's my eldest, and the last time that he was here, uh, we slept in a building out in front of the church. <laughs> that was twelve years ago, I believe, something like that. That's right. And so uh, 12 years ago, Desert Stream helped raise money for us to build homes in a landfill. And uh, as Pastor Kevin said, those homes are still in the landfill today. Families are still living in those homes. And uh, it was just such a great blessing to be able to help the people in that place. Um, And so anyway, I'm very, very excited to be here this morning. I'm excited at the possibility of a team coming in February. I hope that your heart is stirred this morning for, uh, for what the Lord's speaking to you concerning the nations in general, uh, but specifically the Philippines, because we love to host teams that come from Desert Stream. This is one of the only churches that brings a team that both love to minister and love to build. And uh, so it's always a joy hosting the teams from Desert Stream because you come and bring such a diverse group. You have uh, guys that want to come and all they want to do is work. And I love hosting people like that. And then you have uh, people come and they love to minister. And I love hosting people like that. Oftentimes we have a team that will either do one or the other. uh, But this is really the only church that loves to come and do both. And so it's always a joy for us to host the teams that come from Desert Stream. And so if the Lord's speaking to your heart to come in February, whether you have a desire to help us build uh, the new children's home that's uh, being built on the property of Hope for All Children, or you have a desire in your heart to go to the Philippines and minister, be it in the villages, be it in the schools, uh, please come. And we would love to host you. We'd love to have you there. Uh, we'd love to serve with you for the, the days that you're there and uh, just see what, uh, see what the Lord uh, desires to do in our time together. Uh, four years ago when we came, we had just started the orphanage. Hope for All Children uh, has really three areas of ministry that we focus on, uh, one being an orphanage for orphan children. Uh, and so just before I was here last time, we had just opened up the orphanage. The very first child that we took in, uh, we ended up adopting him. He's uh, legally our adopted son now. Uh, he's here with us in, uh, well, he's with us in the States. Uh, he's obtained a citizenship while we've been in the States. So it's just been a uh, it's been a journey, but it's been a great victory uh, to bring him into our family. Uh, two years ago, we opened up the Hope House. The Hope House is a home that is set up to receive trafficked girls, and uh, it's a home that we focus on the restoration 
of, uh, of the girls that have been trafficked. And so two years we opened up that home. Uh, uh, one of the very first girls that we took in uh, had been kidnapped and taken from city to city. She was 12 years old at the time. Uh, uh, she was uh, physically and sexually abused along the way. She uh, managed to escape her captor, and uh, then she was referred to us at Hope for Children. And uh, when we took her in, we also took two of her sisters in who were also, um, they weren't uh, kidnapped with her, but they were uh, being trafficked by uh, their family in their own community. And, uh, and so we took those girls in, and for the first two months, uh, literally, uh, the, the ladies that we have that work with us in the Hope House, we call them house moms, um, but they literally, for the first two months, they had to constrain these girls every day for five to six hours, having them sit on their laps. They would wrap their arms around them. They would just declare God's word over them, declare his love over them. Uh, but this took place for two months, two months every day. These girls were so hurt, they were so angry, they were, uh, they were uh, suicidal, uh, they were confused. Um, and so it took two months of just holding these girls, just pouring the love of God in them day after day. Every day in the Hope House, every day, these girls wake up every day, seven days a week, every day. They get up and they'll spend an hour to an hour and a half, sometimes two hours in worship and prayer. And so during the first two months of them being with the Hope House, these uh, the schedule was the same, they, but they had to constrain them. They had to hold them during those times of worship and prayer. But uh, nevertheless, uh, they were in the environment where God was able to touch them, love them, begin to restore them. After two months, these girls begin, during this time of worship and prayer, these girls begin to cry. And uh, one after another, they just begin to surrender their hearts and lives to the Lord. Uh, they begin to go through a tremendous transformation. If you met these girls today, you would have never known the life that they were subjected to before they were rescued and before they were restored. They're just as happy. They're just as joyful. They're just as innocent. Uh, they're just as full of hope as any child that you would ever see, and perhaps even more so because the environment that they live in is an environment where Jesus is exalted seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and they are living in that environment all the time and so these girls, they go out with us into the communities. When we're ministering into the villages, they'll go with us and minister to the people there with us. Uh, the, the oldest one that was, um, that was rescued from uh, being kidnapped, uh, she actually feels called to India as a missionary. And so we've connected her with a fellow missionary there that has a daughter about her age. They've been in communication. They've been praying over India. They've been praying for souls together. It's just a tremendous thing to see what God can do in any individual's life when they're in an environment of his love being released to them and over them. Anybody, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what anyone has ever gone through, no matter what they're addicted to, no matter what hurts they faced, no matter what it is that any one of us have ever experienced, when we soak in the presence and the love of God, everything in our hearts, everything in our lives can be completely restored. Everything. Everything. There's nothing too difficult for him. Uh, there's nothing that he can't change. There's no one that he can't transform. No one. Absolutely no one. They, uh, we go into the schools um, and feed uh, malnourished children. That's one of the things that we uh, really value before the Lord. In this day and age, no child should die uh, because they have uh, a lack of nutrition 
from a proper diet. We, just, we live in a day and age where no child should die from a sickness and disease that they contracted from not being nourished. And, uh, but yet, uh, the number one cause of, of child sickness and disease still in this generation is malnourishment. And so we go into the schools, uh, we have a, a, just a, a favor and open doors to go into the schools and feed uh, children. And we also take the gospel into the schools. And uh, just recently, just recently, the vice mayor of the island that we live on, the island that we live on is, uh, it's an island where about 100,000 people live. It's uh, literally, uh, I'm going to give you miles instead of kilometers, it's 17 miles long and about seven miles wide. And uh, so there's about 100,000 people that live there. Uh, there's about 76 schools on the island uh, between the elementary and the high schools. And uh, just recently, the vice mayor of the island, uh, he heard about what we was doing in the, uh, the schools. And he heard that we was going to be at a particular high school uh, because when we go into a community to minister the gospel, we'll try to get into the high schools and have a general assembly with the students. And oftentimes, the schools will let us come in and minister to the kids. And so uh, the vice mayor of the island came, and he, uh, all, all he came for was to meet us. He just wanted to, to put a face to what he was hearing about taking place in the schools. Uh, that was two months before we came to the States. And um, just a month before we came to the States, there was an island-wide meeting where all the uh, principals from all the schools were present. Uh, there was uh, government officials there. The vice mayor was there. And they invited us to come and to be a part of uh, this meeting. And we had already had a prior schedule, so we sent our social worker to be a part of the meeting. And it came to a point in time during the meeting that they asked our social worker to share uh, some of what's going on in the schools, what we're doing. And she did talk some about what we do in terms of feeding children. Uh, but then she focused more on the gospel. We, we, you know, we take a biblical curriculum into the elementary schools and we teach them line upon line and precept upon precept, just getting a foundation of God's word in their hearts and lives. And then in the high schools, we have more of a service type uh, meetings with the high school students. And, uh, and, and the Lord has moved powerfully in these, uh, in these schools. And so she's sharing all these things. And after she sits down, the vice mayor stands up and uh, he said, what this island needs in every one of our schools is what they're doing. We need this in our schools. And uh, so God's opening the door for the gospel to go forth into the school system in the, in the island of Samal. We don't know how long that door is going to be open. Uh, it's a window of opportunity. We recognize that. We realize that. And so we want to take advantage of every opportunity that the Lord is giving us right. and the favor that we're, we're uh, just receiving from those that are in authority or governmental positions in the island of Samal. And uh, we just want to be diligent to preach the gospel in the schools. Amen. Come on, you can say amen a little bit louder than that. There's just, uh, there's just really no better place to gather the youth than the place where they gather every day. And to have an open door to bring the gospel into that setting is such a wonderful, wonderful uh, just uh, favor from the Lord. And so uh, we, we, we want to see the youth on the island of Samal. We just want to see them absolutely wrecked, transformed by the love of God. And, uh, and so we're just blessed to have this opportunity. You know, as you think of Hope for All Children, um, 
uh, over you know, the, the coming days or weeks or months, even as you're preparing to come, if God speaks to your heart to come. Listen, when you think of us, pray, uh, pray for these things that, uh, that I'm sharing with you. We, we, we need laborers to get into all the schools. I mean, we have an open door to 76 schools. We want to be in every one of them. And, uh, and so we need laborers to be raised up. We need people to partner with us in preaching the gospel and taking the gospel, taking the love of God to the schools that have opened their doors. We also need prayer in this area of trafficking, in the, uh, the area of receiving uh, trafficked children into the Hope House. Uh, we need a lot of favor with the government. They've been re- very resistant to work with us in the area of restoration. And... Um, you know, in the island of, or the region of Mindanao, it's an island, but the region of Mindanao, over 17 million people, uh, we have the only house set up to receive trafficked children. The only house. The only place that a child that has been trafficked can go. The government doesn't have any suitable homes for them. There's no other NGOs in uh, Mindanao that is set up to receive trafficked children. And yet, I, I can't go into all the details, but the government has been very resistant to allow us into that area of need. And, uh, and so we just need increased favor in that area. We have uh, partnered with other NGOs in the Philippines. We've partnered with other uh, uh, restoration homes that are set up in different parts of the Philippines and even different parts of Southeast Asia. Uh, and the Lord is beginning to bring breakthrough in some of these areas. We've partnered with a ministry or an organization called IJM, uh, International Justice Mission. They're based out of D.C. They're all over the world. They focus on the justice end of trafficking. They're in the Philippines. They have two offices, one in the north, one in the middle, in the Visayas. Uh, but they don't have an office in Mindanao. And so we've been co- uh, communicating with them for the last four years and they've been reluctant to put an office in Mindanao because of the security concerns. Well, just before I left to come to the States, IJM a director came and visited with us. And, uh, and, and so they're finally considering putting up an office in Mindanao, which is huge because Mindanao is really a hub for trafficking. In fact, I just got an email from IJM uh, just uh, days ago. There was just a rescue that took place in Mindanao where 34 children were rescued from a trafficking ring. 34 children. And so IJM's trying to, yeah, praise God. Praise God. And we rejoice with the rescues. But every one of these children that are rescued, they need to be restored. They need to be in a place that they can receive the restoration that they desperately need. And so IGM contacted us and they're trying to work because they don't have an office in Mindanao. Uh, there's, they, they were just communicating, listen, we're going to try to get some of the referrals of these children to Hope for All Children. And, uh, and so be in prayer for that. The youngest of these children was only one year and two months. More than a dozen under the age of 10. All of them under the age of 17. And so listen, this is the reality of what we deal with in terms of human trafficking in the Philippines. And, uh, and so as the Lord places these areas on your heart, please join with us in prayer. Uh, we're constantly standing before the Lord, believing for breakthrough, believing for favor with man, and uh, just believing that the vision, the desires that God's placed in our heart to see trafficked children restored, that all those dreams will be established and all of those dreams will come to pass and so much more that we've yet to see that God would continue to move 
in the Philippines. He would continue to move in Southeast Asia and that these trafficked children that are going through from border to border, from nation to nation, uh, that the, the, the whole network of trafficking would be absolutely exposed. Would you agree with me on that? And praise God. We want to see God move in this area. It's one of the darkest areas that exist in our generation. Uh, there's so many areas of trafficking. Uh, there's uh, organ harvesting going on in the Philippines, uh, as well as other nations in Southeast Asia. Uh, listen, it's a very, very dark, dark reality. And, uh, and so when we, as the body of Christ, when we hear these things, when we see the reality of what's taking place, you know, we bear responsibility before the Lord to do something about it. And something that every one of us can do about that right now in this place is to just join in agreement with the kingdom of heaven and begin to intercede and begin to yield yourself to the desires of the Father as He moves upon you to, to intercede. Listen, there's nothing more powerful that we can do than to start everything that He places on our hearts in a place of intercession and prayer. And so as He uh, stirs your heart, listen, just continue to agree with us, continue to agree with whatever He's placing on your heart for breakthrough in these areas because we believe, we believe that many, many thousands and thousands of children will be rescued and restored in the Philippines. Amen. 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 Um, I was going to share, can I share that video? Okay, this is just a four-minute video. Um, it just gives you an idea of what we've been doing for the last uh, four years. I'm not going to talk a whole lot more about uh, the ministry in the Philippines. I really feel to share a word from the Lord. And so uh, this video will give you an idea of uh, what we've been doing for the last four years.
As, um, as well as the ministry that God's called with Hope for All Children. Hope for All Children really focuses on three areas of what we consider three of the greatest injustices of our, our day. There's actually four areas of Hope for All Children, but the fourth we're not involved with yet directly. And those four areas are the orphan, trafficked children, malnourished children, and the issue of abortion. And um, so that's the, that's the focus of Hope for All Children. That's uh, what we've been uh, just laboring in for the last uh, four years, uh, eight years to be exact from the be uh, beginning until where we're at today. As well as the Ministry of Hope for All Children, we go into the communities uh, every month, week by week. We'll pick a, one particular community, one village, and we'll go into the village week after week and we'll minister to the people. And then at the end of the month, we'll hold a three or four night gospel crusade. And uh, where we'll pray for the, uh, the sick, we'll, we'll minister the gospel, we'll, uh, we'll, um, we'll even do water baptisms during that time. Uh, just uh, one quick story with that. When we uh, started going into these communities, uh, you just each community is so different. One community you go in, the people may be very hospitable, very open, very humble, uh, and very hungry. Another community you may go in may be very resistant. Uh, one of the communities that we was in, uh, the, uh, there was a house that was having a funeral across the street. There were several taxi cab drivers, taxi cabs bringing people from the city uh, across the bay on a ferry and then uh, to the island. Uh, and so there was a number of taxi cab drivers that were sitting at a little eatery uh, there across from the house. And so I've seen all these guys sitting there. There was probably eight or ten of them. And uh, so I, I walked up and I just began to, to, to share the gospel with them. And after a few minutes, I could tell that there wasn't much interest. There wasn't much desire to hear uh, what, I what I had to say. And I was kind of getting frustrated because uh, they just, they were uh, just kind of, you know, resistant and arrogant. And, um, and so I looked over as I was talking with these guys, I looked over and there was a, an elderly woman in her 80s and she was sitting on a bench and as soon as I looked at this woman, 
uh, just by the Spirit, I knew that she needed to be healed in her hip. And so I walked out, just forgot about these guys. I walked over to the elderly woman. I said, ma'am, I said, uh, I said, the Lord's showing me something uh, that you need healing in your hip. Is that true? And she said, yes, I've, I've not been able to walk right for years. I'm in constant pain. Um, she says, I, I, I said, well, can I pray for you? I believe that God's going to heal you. That's why he showed me that. And, uh, and she said, yes, you can pray for me. And, and so I prayed, uh, prayed for her and I, I had her stand up and test her uh, body to see if any change had taken place. And uh, you know what? There was no change. <laughs> but that word about contending is so important for us as believers. We have to contend. We have to be persistent. We have to be resolved in our hearts that God has spoken, that God has declared, that God has promised, God is faithful. And so I said, ma'am, I said, I'm going to pray for you again. I said, is that okay? She said, yeah. And so I prayed for her again. I had her test her body. You know what happened? Oh, you're not laughing this time. <laughs> Nothing. The third time, I said, ma'am, we're going to pray again. And uh, so I prayed for her again. And I said, ma'am, would you test your, test your body? You know, and she's uh, up to this point, she's uncomfortable. She begins to move her leg. And uh, now she's not just moving her leg up and down. Now she begins to jump. And as soon as she begins to jump, her daughter screams from across the eatery. She said, mom, stop, stop. Because she was afraid that her mom was going to hurt herself because it's been over 15 years since she's been able to walk right, much less jump. She begins to dance. Now all the taxi cab drivers stand up. <laughs> now they're interested. Yeah, exactly. Now they're interested. And so they all begin to press over against, uh, uh, against the, the eatery where this uh, elderly lady is. And, and so I said, ma'am, can we just stand inside of your uh, carinderia? and uh, minister to the people that's coming. And she said, absolutely. And so we stood there for two and a half hours. There was a line at the little entrance of that carinderia where one person after another would come through the doors. They needed to be healed, whether it was something with their back. There was two guys healed that had a stroke and had partial paralyzation in one side of their body where one could not lift his arm, totally healed where he could lift his arm, no limitations, no pain, no nothing. Uh, the, uh, whether somebody had a back. Anyway, those taxi cab drivers, you would think after God's displaying his goodness and his power and people are getting touched, you would think that every person would walk away absolutely transformed. And that wasn't true. It wasn't true when Jesus ministered and it's not true when we minister. The people that encounter the Lord must be hungry for them himself, themselves. They must be hungry for the Lord themselves. If we're not hungry for the Lord, we cannot be transformed. But if we hunger for Him, we can be transformed in any situation. Amen. We, there has to be hunger. And that's the number one thing that we pray for the people where we live is that they would come to a state of desperate hunger for the Lord. You know, we can encounter the Lord's presence by coming into an atmosphere like this where worship is taking place. Jesus is being exalted. And perhaps you come in this house and you've not spent any intimate time with the Lord. You've not pursued him throughout your week. That's not that's not to condemn any actions that that take place in our life. I get it. I get that we get busy and we get, you know, consumed with things. And I, I, that's not what I'm focusing on. My point is, is that we can come into a house where Jesus is being exalted. We haven't cultivated any realm of intimacy for ourselves. 
but because his presence is here in this place. He's being exalted by others who have cultivated a place of intimacy with him. People can come into a setting like this and encounter the love and the presence and the goodness of God. It's not because they hungered for him or it may, it may not be because they cultivated anything for themselves, but they were in an atmosphere where God was present, where his love was being made manifest, where the anointing of his spirit was moving in the, the people's hearts and lives. And so somebody can come in that setting and they can encounter the goodness of God. They can encounter the, the blessing of God in, a, in an environment like this. And that person can literally leave and not be transformed or changed. You know, you as, a, as someone that has surrendered and yielded your life to the Lord, you can go out into the community or you can go out on the streets and you can begin to minister people the love and the goodness of God. You can lay hands on the sick and see the sick healed. And God's faithful to heal them because one, we've been commanded to do so. He's faithful to fulfill what he said he would do. And so people are touched, people are healed. But you can go out on the streets and you may see a drunk man become sober just like that. Because you're walking with God. You're walking in an intimate place with the Lord. And that individual is encountering the goodness of the Father because of the relationship that you have with Him. But that person can receive, that person can encounter the Lord, that person can be delivered and healed, but that person could leave that moment completely untransformed. But one thing's for sure. When a man hungers for God for himself, when a woman hungers for God for herself, when she's touched, when he's touched, when they encounter the presence, when the Holy Spirit is moving upon their heart, when he's revealing something that they may have not seen before or known before, when God begins to move and they begin to experience that, transformation begins to take place. Why? Because the heart was hungry to receive whatever God wanted to do. The heart was hungry to not only encounter him or to receive from him, but to be transformed by him, to be more and more in the likeness of Jesus. It's paramount that we're a hungry people, no matter what stage of life we're in, no matter where we're at in our walk with the Lord, we must be a hungry people. I'm always amazed because we're blessed to go into the communities and preach the gospel. And we're blessed to see miracles. We're blessed to see people touch. We're blessed to see people delivered from demonic oppression. And it's always amazing to me how God moves so powerfully upon the hearts and lives of people. People that may resist him. People that may push him away. People that may be running in the completely opposite direction. But his love is so abundant. His desires for them are so great. And despite their reaction, he knows what they're going to do. Despite their reaction, despite their, their resistance, or, and many times despite their rebellion or, or perhaps their, their religion, it does not matter to the Father. He wants to display the reality of his love to this generation. Amen. And he is longing to do that day after day, situation after situation, person after person. He does not want one person alive in this generation to not experience the reality of who he is. And he's given us that great privilege and that great honor to take the reality of who he is to those who are living around us. It's not our responsibility to touch hearts and change lives. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But it is our responsibility to take what we have received and give it away. And as we do so, some will come, some will resist, and some will leave. Some will be healed and not be transformed in that moment. Perhaps they'll continue to run away from God. Perhaps it's days, weeks, years before they really come to a place where they surrender their hearts and lives to the Lord. That is not our responsibility. 
That is not the privilege that God has given us. He's given us the privilege to walk full of the Holy Spirit, to walk with the anointing that comes from above and to represent Him for who He really is. He is desiring us as His people to walk in a greater measure of love. I know you get that probably a lot in this house. Don't you? A few times. Desert Stream, have you ever heard a message on love? Just checking. It is the most important revelation, understanding. It's the most important message that we'll ever walk out in our lives. If you would, take your Bibles and turn with me. We're just going to turn to a couple of scriptures today. But if you would, turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. I'll start with verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection or the mark of maturity. He wants us to be a people that not only know how to receive his love, but he wants us to be a people that give his love. It has to be it it has to be it's a it's a it's a law of the kingdom that what we receive, it must be given. And as we give, more can be added, more can be multiplied, more can be poured into our own hearts and our own lives. It's not just about us coming to a place where God can use us. It's about us coming to a place that we begin to embrace the likeness of Jesus more and more and more in our lives, that we begin to resemble the likeness of Christ. It's not about us just becoming useful to God. It's about us becoming who he's created us to be. In his image, in his likeness, the likeness of Jesus. And in order for him to bring us to that place, we must be a people that give abundantly what we have received. We have to be a people of giving just as we desire to receive. And as we give, we do find out that there's so much truth in that revelation that it is better to give than it is to receive. There's a Massive blessing in that place of giving what we have received from the Lord. And there's a massive increase that begins to take place in our hearts and lives as we become a people that give what we have received. He wants us to be transformed by His love. Listen, we live in a generation where we have more revelation, more knowledge, more understanding of the Scriptures than any generation that's lived before us. There's literally tens of thousands of books that people have written because of revelations that they have received on the Scriptures. We live in a day and age where people are craving more and more knowledge, more and more understanding. And oftentimes we complicate the simplicity of the Gospel. We complicate the simplicity of the life that God has called us to live. Being a people that love Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And being a people that know how to love our neighbor as ourself. The gospel really is not complicated. 
But we have made it a message that is complicated to understand, more complicated to walk out. We live in a generation where we crave all this knowledge and revelation and understanding, where we want all this increase. When the real cry of our heart should be, Father, make me faithful with what I have received. I want to be faithful with the, the revelation that I have received. I want to walk it out faithfully before you. If it's, if it's at the expense of not coming to a place where I have all this knowledge and understanding, but yet I'm faithful with what I've been given, because if I'm faithful with what I've been given, increase will always come. Increase will always come. But if I have all this knowledge and all this revelation and I'm not doing anything with it, there's no faithfulness with what I have received. Friend, we don't want to live in that place. We don't want to live where we're just chasing more knowledge, more understanding. We're, we're so quick to lead, read the latest book, but we're so slow to love our neighbor. The gospel is not complicated. The message of his love is not complicated. If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 10. We'll start in verse 25, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Everyone say Saul. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, he came and looked. Everyone say looked. And passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed from, and came from where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and he sat him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This story is so uh, incredible to me for, for many reasons. And I, I believe it's so relevant uh, for us in this generation. Uh, these two men that both passed by this situation. They both saw the need. And yet for whatever reason they passed by, we, we don't have enough of the story to assess the reason why the, the priest and the Levite passed by this situation, but they both saw that there was a need. They both saw that this man was, was half beaten, that he was half naked. They saw that there was an opportunity to do something in this man's life, but both of them refused. Perhaps they had a meeting to go to. Perhaps they valued their integrity to show up on time at a meeting more than they valued having compassion on someone that was dying. You know, we, we have an interesting 
outlook on integrity today. We leave no room for the Holy Spirit to move upon our hearts and invade our schedules. And we think sometimes the greatest measure of integrity that we can have is to be somewhere on time. Now, the greatest measure of integrity that we can have before the Father is to be a people that walk in His love and compassion. And many times when we open up our lives before the Lord and we say, Lord, my life is yours and I want you to move in me and through me as it pleases you, as you desire to lead me and guide me, here's my life. It would make no sense to say that before the Lord and then to say, this is my schedule. And you'd be on your way to a meeting and you see something where the Lord begins to stir your heart. You hear something where the Lord begins to stir your heart. And you say, no, I'm, I'm not going to be late to my meeting. i got to be there on time because I talk to people all the time about having integrity, about having, if you give your word to be somewhere, you need to be there on time. You ever heard that speech? <laughs> Pastor Kevin said, from me, probably. I, I believe, you know, I believe that we should be a people that are, are, are integrous with our, with our time and integrous with our word. But I think that we should also be a people that are easily led by the Holy Spirit. That we're willing to stop with the schedule of our day because God gives us a divine opportunity to reveal His love, to show compassion, to show mercy, to begin to care for someone that we do not know. When the Samaritan was passing by this situation and he saw what was going on, the immediate reaction was is that he had compassion. And when we walk in compassion, we don't just have feelings that rush through our heart and our mind. When we have compassion, we do something about the problems that we face. We do something about the situations that we face. Because we know the Father that has called us from above, that has anointed us from above, has given us authority to see His kingdom come into any situation, into any opportunity. Anything can be changed. Anything can be transformed if we just yield ourselves to what God is wanting to do in any moment of our lives. We must be a people that get back to the place where we are walking by the Spirit. What does that mean? That means that we have to be willing for the Holy Spirit to lead us throughout our day. That means that, yes, we can make our plans. Yes, we can plan for this and plan for that. But, friend, if we have no allowance in our schedule and we have no allowance in our lives for the Holy Spirit to direct us to see a person's heart... <coughs> Touched and changed and transformed to see someone brought back from, from death to life. To see someone that has hopeless on the verge of suicide receive hope and life. Friend, we have got to change as the church. <coughs> We've got to be a people that are led by love. We can read a hundred books about it, but until we start living it, all the reading that we've done is in vain. The other thing about this Samaritan, when he saw this, this man, he didn't know if he himself was a thief that got beat up by other thieves. He didn't know nothing about this man. We live in a generation where we already prejudge people and decide whether they're worthy or not of our time, our attention, our resources. We look at the way a person is dressed or the way a person is living. We'll look at all these things and we'll prejudge before we ever get involved. This Samaritan saw this man. He didn't know if he was a gangbanger. He didn't know if he was a thief. He didn't know his story. He didn't care. He saw the need and he jumped in because why? That's, that's the heart of God. Is that we would release life 
when we're faced with death, whether it's in our own lives or in the lives of the people around us, that we would quit prejudging the society that we live in the midst of, that we would quit walking by people because we don't know if our life is going to be in danger. We don't know what's going to happen with that situation. The Samaritan didn't know if that man was laying on the ground and he was simply a prop waiting for someone to walk by and get involved so that other people could jump out and jump on top of that man and rob him. We live in a day where all these stories are circulating and it has caused us to prejudge people before we ever get to know them. It's called us to prejudge situations before we're ever willing to just jump in and reveal the heart of God to the people that may be dying along the roadside. The Father is longing for us to be a people of absolute love. He is longing for us to be able to love every people group, every person in our society, and yes, in the world. He is longing for us to represent his heart fully to those who are around us. Not because they deserve it, not because they're worthy, not because they're, they're, they're righteous or not because they're kind, not because they're good, not because of anything bad or good, but because he has paid a great price so that humanity would see him for who he is, would recognize and encounter the reality of his love. So that they would have a perfect opportunity to come into that divine plan and purpose that God has released over each one of our lives. And that's our responsibility. We are responsible for what we see, for what we hear, and what we feel. We are responsible. I think one of the greatest mistakes that we can make as believers is to believe that everyone sees, everyone hears, and everyone feels that I, what I feel. The only reason I can see what I see is because the Lord has opened my eyes. The only reason that I can hear what I hear is because the Lord has opened my ears. The only reason that I can feel what I feel is because the Lord has opened my heart. And if I see something, I am responsible. If I hear something, I am responsible. If I feel something by the Lord, I am responsible. I'm responsible. It's easy for us to push off those moments when we see something that needs to be done and say, oh, this is so-and-so's responsibility. Oh, this is so-and-so's job. Oh, Pastor Kevin will see this need. He'll jump in. That's his job. You know, we'll hear something. And instead of engaging in the problem that we may face or the, the situation that is being presented or whatever the opportunity may be, instead of jumping in, we, we turn our head and we begin to walk away thinking that somebody else will take care of the situation that we're hearing about. The Father is longing that we would come to a place as His bride, as the bride of Christ, as His children. Listen, He is longing that we would come to a place that we would walk more in the kingdom than ever before, that we would be a people that do something about the problems that we face, that we would be a people that do something about the opportunities that we face, that we would be a people that do something about the problems that we hear about, that we wouldn't just become a, a receiver of information, but we would receive that. We would begin to, to bring that to a point of prayer and intercession. And many times the Holy Spirit will lead us to get directly involved 
in whatever it is that we see, that we hear, that we feel. We were created to bring change. We were redeemed to bring the kingdom. And whatever it is that we see, whatever it is that we hear, whatever it is that we feel, God can change and transform it. If we would just be willing to jump in and get involved with what God is desiring to do. We are responsible. You know, when God was um, referring Job to Satan, have you ever considered my servant Job? You ever wonder why he chose Job among all those that were living at that time? When Job was defending his righteousness before the situation, the trial that he was in the midst of, declaring the righteous life that he had lived, he talked about being diligent to not overlook what he saw. He talked about being diligent to not overlook what he heard. He talked about when he saw a need that he didn't run from it, that he didn't pull away from it, that he took his resources and he was a father to the fatherless. And he got involved in the situations where someone was being oppressed. And so much so, he said, if my eye has failed and my ear has failed, my arm has failed to engage in these moments and these situations. He said, let my arm be torn from its socket. Let it fall from my shoulder. In other words, Job walked in this place that I am responsible for what I see. I'm responsible for what I hear. I'm responsible for what I feel. We as the body of Christ, we have the privilege of being responsible. Amen. Amen. That is a privilege that we get to engage in the problems that this generation is facing and bring the kingdom in the midst of it. What a glorious privilege. We have the privilege of being transformed by the Father's love, and then we have the privilege of sowing it into the lives of the people that are all around us. It is a privilege. It is an honor. And I believe the Father this morning is even wanting to stir our hearts afresh, to give ourselves to Him afresh, to recognize the opportunities that are all around us afresh. To be more diligent. To surrender every aspect of our lives. To be willing to stop and help the one when our heart is being stirred, even though we're on our way to somewhere else. We must be a people that are led by the Spirit. If we truly want to see the fullness of His kingdom, if we truly want to come to the fullness of the stature of Christ, We have to be a people that experience the fullness of His love. Not only to us, but through us. He wants to bring us to that place. Amen? Amen. And He is desiring to bring us to that place day by day, moment by moment, situation by situation. You may be in this place today. You may feel like that one that was on the wayside. You may feel like when you had a great need in your life, people that should have stopped and should have helped you or, or, or people that you, you even knew walked by your situation. They didn't help you at all. They just seen that you had a need and they just continued to pass you by. If you're here in this place today, I believe that the Father wants to restore your heart. He wants to heal your life. He wants to bandage your wounds. wounds. He wants to see you restored to the place that He's called you to live, the place that He's called you to be. Perhaps you're in this room today and you may be like the priest or the Levite that walked by a situation or maybe you perhaps walked by many situations. Listen, I live in the Philippines in a third world nation. We are faced with situations every day. 
They don't, we don't go out and look for them. They actually come to us. Here in Canada, you almost have to be intentional, you know, to be mindful of what the Lord wants to do in and through your life on a daily basis because there are divine appointments, but they're different here than they are overseas. But nevertheless, the Holy Spirit is wanting to lead us into divine opportunities, into divine appointments, if you will, for us to reveal the heart of the Father and for us to release the love that we have received. But if you're in this place and, and you're the one that needs to be healed, you're the one that needs your wounds bandaged and, and you need to be restored, listen, I believe the Father's voice is being released over your heart, over your life today. Come to me. If you're weary, come to me. If you feel like you've been rejected, come to me. If you feel like you've been passed by, come to me. I will receive you. I will restore you. I will heal you. I will make all things new. I will bring you back to that place that I've called and created you to be. And if we're in this place and we're like the one before the Lord that says, Lord, I, I just I want to be more motivated to walk in love. I want to be more sensitive. I want to be more aware to be diligent to deal with the things that I see, hear, and feel. That I'm not so quick to pass those things off or to turn and walk away from those opportunities. But I would be more quick and more ready to give myself in those moments to see your love manifest in and through my life. That's where I'm at today. I just want more of his love. I just want to represent him more fully. I just want to be more diligent to not turn away from the things that I face, the things that I see, no matter how hard the, the situation, no matter how much it's going to cost me, no matter what it's going to take. I just want to be diligent to give myself before the Father and say, Father, I want to move in your love for the people that you've surrounded me with. I want to see your love manifest in every situation. And if that's you here today, I believe that the Father will stir your heart in a very deep way. And anything that has hindered you from seeing, anything that has hindered you from hearing, anything that you, has hindered you from feeling what the Holy Spirit is desiring to reveal to you or stir in you, I believe today every area of your heart and life can be refreshed. That we would leave this place and be able to more fully represent Him in every situation that we face for who He is. Would you stand with me this morning? Can I ask the leadership just to join with me this morning? And um, is it okay if I give an opportunity? Okay. If you're here this morning... And uh, you're one of those that need, need to be uh, healed or restored. You're one of those that have uh, been hurt and, and, and have been overlooked, passed by. Listen, I, I really feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit for restoration in this place. We can't, we can't live our lives reacting out of the hurt that we've experienced. We have to let it go. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, is leading us to a place this morning that whatever you've experienced, whatever hurt that continues to haunt you, whatever hurt continues to be, uh, you continue to be reminded of, or whatever hurt has caused you to react a certain way to situations or certain people, listen, today, I believe today that that thing is to be completely broken off of your life. And that every area of your heart and every area of your mind that needs to be healed and restored, that the Father is in this place to bring absolute, complete restoration to your life.
And so if that's you, I want to invite you to come. You're welcome to come up here this morning to receive ministry. As well, I want to invite you to come if you're here in this place and you're just longing for a deeper love walk with the Lord. You're like, Lord, I just want to be in that place where I'm willing to give myself more fully in every situation that I face. If I see something, I don't want to turn my head from it. I want to get engaged. I want to do something about the problems that I face. Listen, if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to come. Thank you. Who else? I know the Lord's speaking to many people's hearts in this place. Come on. He's called us. Desert Stream, He's called us to walk in a deeper level of love than we've ever dreamed or imagined. But it starts one step at a time. It starts one day at a time. It starts one moment at a time, one opportunity at a time. It starts right here, right now, by responding to the Holy Spirit because He's desiring to bring us to a deeper place. But if we're not willing to step forward even in this moment, right here, right now, how likely is it going to be that we're going to step out and take a risk outside of these doors? And so listen, if you need to be ministered to, if you want things in this place right now that the Holy Spirit is stirring in your heart, now is the time. This is the place. Now is the time. Just respond to the Lord and let the Lord have His way in your heart and life this morning. Again, I want to invite you to come. If the Lord's speaking to you, you're more than welcome to come. Just to feel free to continue to come on up and we're going to pray with you. We're going to minister with you. We're going to agree with you. If you need to get your kids, feel free to go do that right now. And uh, if uh, you've got kids in care and you want to be prayed for, come right up here to the front. We'd like to pray you first and minister to you and make sure that you're able to do that. You know, Mike has shared from this heart this morning. There is no, there is no greater thing than responding the power of the Holy Spirit the need around us through the power of love. I said to my wife, I said when Mike was sharing, I said, he's uh, not supposed to be preaching to me this morning. And uh, when he talked about, uh, you know, our, our living by our schedules, I'm one of those people who lives by my schedule. And I've preached at the house five or six times a year, every time, every year about if you're, you know, not 10 minutes early or five minutes late and all that kind of stuff. And yet, uh, you know, when you spoke and said, we got to be people who live by the Holy Spirit, not our schedule. Come on, this morning, God's got to be talking to more people than just me. Amen. So, Father, we just pray, Lord, around these altars right now, Lord, you would move by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, that you would shape lives, you would change lives, you would open up our hearts, Lord, you would uh, convince by power of Holy Spirit of what you want to do in people's lives today. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your love. We, Lord, ask your blessing over this house. Lord, as uh, we go through this week, Lord, we're looking for you to do a tre tremendous divine work in us. Father, we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen.